If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to the Gospel of Luke. We're going to be in Luke chapter 15 today. Luke chapter 15. While you're finding that, also uh, we've been announcing we're making a little change in how we communicate prayer requests and information and announcements. Uh, there on your screen, you can sign up for any of the above. If you'd like to get information from the church, announcements about things that are coming up, you can text GNINFO to that number. If you would like to partner with us in prayer for prayer requests that come in uh, from time to time, you can text GN Prayer, and uh, that'll get you added to our email uh, prayer list. Uh, and then uh, something near and dear to uh, all of your hearts, I know this time of year is taxes. Uh, if you need your charitable donation giving receipt from the church, you can text taxes to that number. And we'll get that to you. If you don't uh, text, if you don't talk, if you don't have a phone, whatever, uh, if you don't want to do any of that and you just want a hard copy printed off, just uh, contact our church office and we'll get that to you. Uh, we'll do whatever you need for us to do to make that uh, a little easier for you. Well, I'm almost sad to say that today we're wrapping up uh, this series that we've been in for the last couple of months, actually that we're calling, uh, have called Step of Faith. It's a series that we've been in <clears throat> out of the Gospel of, of Luke. And we've been looking at what it means to take not only a step of faith, but this step of faith that will change your life. It will change your path. Um, it will transform uh, who you are into who God wants you to be. A, a step of faith with God uh, is not just about believing, but it's about believing, receiving, and accepting this uh, transformation that He wants to do in our lives and, and in our families. And today we're, we're going to close out this series uh, looking at it, a, a very familiar uh, story from the Gospel of Luke. It's the parable, the story of the prodigal son. Uh, and I believe that this is a story of every uh, single person in human history uh, put into a parable here that Jesus tells us. The story of the prodigal son is actually a story of our relationship with God our Father. Regardless of where you're at today, I believe every single one of us Find, can find ourselves in this story today that we're going to be looking at. Um, and in this parable that Jesus is telling, starting here at verse 11, there's three main characters in the story. First is the younger son, the, uh, the one that's often referred to as the prodigal. There's an older son who we will see a little bit later, has an important role in this story as well, but we sometimes uh, have a tendency to overlook. And then there's the father. And usually when we think of, about this parable, we think that the main character of this story is the runaway son, the prodigal son. I mean, that's the, what even the title of the story, it's about the prodigal son. But I would argue that the main character of the story is the father. Uh, and the reason I say that is because the father is mentioned no less than 12 times 
in a span of 20 verses. And so let's pick it up this morning as Jesus tells this parable uh, starting at verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And I just want to stop here for just a moment because if you think about it, in this parable, Jesus is giving us the picture uh, of sin. Uh, the, the first uh, thing that we see here is this, and, and it's typical of, of sin almost always, but it's this desire for independence. The, the son, what's going on here? The son doesn't want to live in the father's house anymore, does he? He, he doesn't want to be under the, the, the father's uh, authority or rule or control. And if you think about it, the main characteristic of sin is found in the very way that you spell sin. Right? Right in, there in the middle of it. S-I-N. Sin is when I want to be at the center. Right? Uh, I want to be in charge. I, I want to be free to do what I want to do. I want to be in control. I want to make the rules. I want to have fun. I, I want to do things uh, that uh, meet my desires and, and things for my glory. And that's just what this young son is, is thinking here, right? It, it's pretty common thinking uh, in our world today. But this young son is thinking, and all of us at some point in time, we knew without a shadow of a doubt that we were smarter than our parents, Right? That, that's basically where this young son is at. You know, he's, he's, he's sitting there thinking, my ways are better. Right? I want what's coming to me so I can enjoy my life and do what I want to do. The second characteristic of sin is this. It's the desire for instant gratification. The son doesn't want to wait for his inheritance, does he? He, he, he wants it now. And people will often get tangled up in sin because they can't wait for God's timing. They can't wait for God to show them the blessings that He has for them that may be coming on down later in the road. And so they want to expedite that process, right? They want to do what they can do to make themselves happy. They think that they've got to have it all right now or they can't be happy right now. And so people will often trade eternal life. They, they will often trade happiness with God for these things in the world that are only temporary. Uh, a, a temporary thrill that doesn't last long and it really doesn't satisfy. Some of you should say amen because you've experienced that, right? It's a temporary thrill, a temporary thing that, number one, doesn't, doesn't last and it doesn't satisfy and it often will take you farther and farther away from the Father. And the third characteristic of sin is the idea that we don't need the Father. Right? You see, the Father is what in this story? He's an obstacle to the son's freedom. It's not that he hates his dad, right? It's just that he no longer wants to be under his influence. He, he no longer wants 
the help of his dad because he's got it, right? Now, he wants his dad's blessings. He wants his dad's stuff, but he doesn't want his dad. And I can't imagine anything more painful for a parent to experience than that. But every parent knows that there comes a point when it's useless to try to force an adult child to do something that they don't want to do. And so verse 12 says, the father divided up his property between them. And that brings us to the first thing that we learn from this dad in the parable and about our heavenly father and it's this that we learn about a father's love, our heavenly father's love. God loves you even when you break his heart. God loves you even when you break his heart. Now this parable that Jesus is telling it's, this would have shocked the Jews that he's telling this parable to. And, and the reason it would have shocked them is because the father here in the parable that Jesus is telling does not respond the way that Jewish parents were supposed to respond or expected to respond. Because you see in the, in the law in Deuteronomy 21... The law said that if a son did something to disrespect his parents or do something like this, that that child should be stoned to death. And so this kind of pride, this kind of rejection of family was reason to be killed, or if not killed, at least to be disowned by the family altogether. But this father doesn't respond that way. He gave his son what he asked for, gave his son what he wanted, and he let him go. Verse 13 says, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. He set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. Verse 15 so when he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs, he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. This brings us the second characteristic that we see here about the Father's love and God's love, and it's this, God loves you even when you wander in the darkness. God loves you even when you run away. And like many, his independent, self-centered life apart from his father, man, it started out awesome. It was lots of fun. It was wild living. He was doing whatever he wanted to do. Nobody to tell him he couldn't. He's away from his dad. He's away from anybody trying to have authority over him. He's enjoying everything that money can buy. Friends, that's the way sin usually starts out, does it not? 
Some of you have been down this path. Starts out with freedom. Starts out with fun. Starts out with wild living. Parties, excitement. But then things change. They always change. The money ran out. You ever notice when the money runs out, the friends run out? And then comes brokenness and loneliness. Some of you know from experience that there's not a more miserable place in all the world to be and to be broken and alone. And this young man who had grown up in a stable home, good family, has now been reduced to begging and taking the lowest job in Israel, feeding pigs. And I have no doubt whatsoever, he was wondering how he got there. (laughs) You ever been there? Ever find yourself in a big old huge mess? And you go, how did I get here? Oh, I drove myself here. Hello? Friends, I know that sin will take you farther away from the Father than you intended to go or even imagined that you might go. Some of you may be here today and You find yourself feeling like this young man, broken, alone, wondering what in the world happened, and how did I get here, and you don't know what to do next. The path that you chose has certainly not taken you where you thought it was going to take you, and it was fun for a while. But it's really not that fun anymore. And if that's you today, here's the good news. God loves you, even as you have wandered in the darkness. I wish that there was some way that we could see this parable today on a split screen. On one side of the screen would be the son in his reckless living. But on the other side of the screen is the father who never looked away, never stopped praying, never stopped hoping, never stopped loving. The son doesn't realize it, but at his lowest moment, the father's looking down that road thinking about him, and still loving him. Hmm. You see, some people think that God only loves them when they come home and clean up. That's not the case. God loves us while we're still sinners. Hmm. While we're wandering in the far country. Friends, listen to me. I know this to be true. Your sin did not cancel God's love for you. 
your reckless running and wandering didn't stop God from loving you. And even right now, He's looking for you. He's thinking about you. And He's hoping that you'll come home. Look at verse 17. When he came to his senses. Everybody say, when he came to his senses. (laughs) He said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. So what happened here? He came to his senses. Can I just ask some of you here today, or maybe somebody listening online? When are you going to come to your senses? And that question can make you mad, or it can make you think. But it doesn't change the fact that God still loves you, and He wants you to come to your senses and come home. Verse 18, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. This young man got what he asked for. Made a mess of his life. He broke the heart of those that loved him the most. But don't miss these words of Jesus. His father saw him. And he didn't turn away in disgust. But he was filled with compassion for him. And he ran (laughs) to his son. Grown men in those days didn't run. They wore dresses. <laughs> Seriously, they wore robes. Running, unless it was an athletic event, was considered to be undignified. But the father seems oblivious to this. And he's so overcome with compassion for his son that he doesn't care what anybody else thinks, and he runs to him. Now, anybody that would have seen this would have thought, this is odd, right? I remember I was telling somebody in between services we were talking about this, and he was like, you know, they wouldn't think it was odd if he was wearing running clothes. And I said, no, it reminds me, when I was a kid, I I talk about being raised in the hood, and actually, my mother is offended by that. She says, don't tell people we were, she's here this morning, she said, don't tell people we were raised in the hood. You wasn't raised in the hood. Okay, we raised the street over from the hood. (laughs) But I remember one day we were out in the front yard and we see this guy running down the road with his fully dressed, you know, with dress shoes on. I'm like, that's odd, you know. And just a little bit, the, here come the police. Uh, so, you know, you see somebody running, it's not normal, especially if they're wearing a dress. But this father does not care. Notice what it says. He ran. He ran to his son. And it goes on to say that he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. Someone here today not only 
needs to hear this, but you need to feel this. You, you need to see this. You need to experience this. He is filled with compassion for you. He's running to you, and He's going to embrace you. God loves you even as you have wandered in the darkness. Verse 21, the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. See, the father didn't run to his son to punish him. He didn't run to his son and say, I told you so. He ran to his son. Friends, don't miss this. He ran to his son to do what? To restore him and make all things new. That's, that's the love of God. God loves you as he restores you and he makes all things new. And we see here, he gives his son three gifts. He gives him a robe, not just a robe. It says he gave him the best robe. He gave him a ring, which was symbolic of family. He's restoring, don't miss this, he's restoring his status as family member, as his son. And he gave him some new sandals to wear. Don't miss this, not only did the father withhold punishment, but he came bringing blessings. He came bringing gifts. Is this not an absolute beautiful picture of grace? Verse 24, Jesus describes it to us like this. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Scripture tells us that all of heaven celebrates when one lost son or daughter comes home. All of heaven rejoices when someone takes that step of transforming faith and accepts Him as their heavenly Father and is welcomed into the family. Don't miss this, friends. The point of this parable is the love of the Father. Right? He loves us when we break His heart. He loves us when we wander. He loves us and restores us and makes all things new. But that's not the end of the story. <laughs> There's another character that Jesus made a point to tell us about in this story. There's a reason. And that's the oldest son. And his part in the story actually goes through the end of the chapter. Matter of fact, there's almost as much scripture here about the older son as there is the younger son. So let's just pick it up at verse 25. Let's just finish it out and read through the end of the chapter. Verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. 
So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Friends, this is so important. God loves you even when you're too proud to accept it. God loves you even when you're too proud to realize that you need it. This older brother appears to be the polar opposite of the younger, doesn't he? He's the good one. He's the white sheep. And he knows it. I mean, we all know it, right? We all know our status in the family. We know which one's the good kid and which one's the bad kid. You know, and you know if you're it. You know if you're the good kid or the bad kid. I would, my mom will tell you. My, even if my sister was here, she, she got COVID, but she ain't here. I'm glad. <clears throat> She's probably listening online, but she'd be the first to tell you I was the bad one. Or she was the bad one. I was the good one. Mom will tell you. I was also the favorite. The good one is always the favorite, just so you know. Everybody knows it. And so this is the good one. This is the favorite. But here's a subtle detail that we can't overlook. He's also outside the house. And the father had to come to him too. This older brother actually has a whole lot more in common with the younger brother than he would ever admit. You see, both of them wants the father's things. Both of them wants the father's blessings. But they don't want to be around their father. Now this one, he kind of is around the father. He wants to stay close, be associated with, have the family name, because he's the good one. It follows all the rules. But this one resents his father's grace. He resents the fact that his father could possibly love a disgusting runaway. He wants to be close to the father and enjoy the father's blessings, but he don't want to be like the father. Don't miss who Jesus is directing this parable to, friends. He wasn't talking to the runaway. If you look up in verse 2, you see the reason that Jesus is telling this story to begin with. It says the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had muttered, this man, talking about Jesus, 
This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This story is in response to what they had said about Jesus. You see, these religious people, they don't understand God's love for broken people because they don't see themselves as broken people. They're the good ones. They keep all the rules. Did you notice that the son was even out working for the father? See, this is for those even maybe that have been doing the father's work. But not really in right relationship with the father. So what Jesus is teaching here is basically this. There's two ways to be separated from God. You can run away and party it up like the younger brother. But the other way is to stay near the house of the father, the house of religion, follow the rules, continue to do the work, and use all of that to cover up the fact that you're actually nothing like your father at all. As a matter of fact, you despise the fact that the Father loves even those disgusting people. You know what? At least the younger brother knows that he needs redemption from the Father. Right? At least he acknowledges the fact that he needs redemption from the Father. And I want to close with this today. Do you notice here, for those of you that have your Bible, you can see it, it's obvious. Did you notice that this story just abruptly cuts off here at verse 32? That's the end of it. There's no more. And so you're kind of left sitting here asking yourself as you read the story, well, what the older brother decide? What did he do? Does he accept the Father's invitation to come in and be a part of the family? Or does he stay outside of the house and away from the Father? We don't know. And we don't know because this story is an invitation to all the older brothers out there. Telling them that the grace of God is for you too. He loves you too, even when you are too proud to admit it. Or too proud to receive it. And you're welcome to come in. You're welcome to be a part of the family and part of the celebration when... When you're humble enough to admit your need for Him, set your pride aside, and go in. Come home. And it takes casting off your pride.
It's going to take us to stop looking down our nose at other people that we consider to be runaways. It's going to take us quit looking down our nose at people that we consider to be disgusting. And admit and confess that we're just as broken and as needy as they are. We're just as broken and just as needy as the prodigal son. But the choice is yours today, right? Wherever you are in the story, it's your choice. Like the prodigal son, you can choose not to come home. You can stay there in your pig pen. You can choose not to come home and be forgiven and restored and made new to the Father. But also like the older good son, you can stay outside the Father's house. You can keep your association distant and choose not to come in. But friends, I've been sent here today to tell you that God's love is abundant. It's never ending. But He is not going to force it on you. You can stay outside of the house. Either way. And I'm here to tell you today, that's not what your father wants. He loved you. And he's got something good for you. So today, I'm going to ask you one last time as we close out this series to take a step of faith. A step of transforming faith to either turn and return home Or to come in off the porch that you've been hanging around on for a long, long time and come in and receive what the Father has for you. And that step of faith is transformational. It will change you and make you new. The choice is yours. The invitation... By the Father has been extended. That's what He sent me here to do today. He's reaffirmed to you that He loves you. But the rest of the story, it's unwritten. Verse 33 and on, you won't find there in your Bible. Because I believe that's your story. The invitation's out there but the rest of the story has yet to be written how will your story end let me pray for you God such a powerful reminder of your love I believe that we can all find ourselves in a place here in this story as runaways, as the one that's just worked hard to try to be good, hanging around, keeping an association with you just so we look like the good one. 
Well, God, I know there's some people that are here today that are in that warm home that have humbled themselves from running. They've humbled themselves from trying to do all the work to look good. And they've entered into this incredible relationship with their Heavenly Father. And it takes pride on either side of that. It takes us setting aside our pride. God, this entire series of messages that we've looked at here from the Gospel of Luke, they've been challenging, but they've been transformational. How can we walk away from the Gospel of Luke and what we've seen and not be changed by it? And so if there's anyone here today that needs to take that step of faith that will change their circumstance, change, God, most importantly, their future, and how their story will be written, the rest of their story will be written, I pray that today would be the day. I believe that you're at work. And I thank you for that. I thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for what you're doing right now. And God, I'm going to thank you and celebrate what you're going to do in the days ahead. As people continue to walk with you, towards you. And allow you to make us into who you want us to be. And that's someone that looks more like you. God, that's my prayer. That every single day. I would look more and more like my Father. I love you and I thank you for loving me. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. God bless you. I love you guys and I hope you have a wonderful week. Stay safe.